Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 129, and we're recording on May 12th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with very special guest Kim Eukera from the For Real podcast, and we're going to talk about science fiction and fantasy comfort reading. Hello. I'm so excited to have you, Kim. I am so excited to be on your podcast. I feel like I only ever talk about nonfiction, so I'm like really jazzed to talk about something else because I like to read lots of things. Yeah. So Sharifa is on vacation, and when I was casting around for who wanted to come on and you offered, I was excited because your you know genre reading is not something I know much about you. So mm-hmm. will you tell us a little bit about like what you how you like to read as a genre reader outside of your obvious nonfiction expertise? Yeah, so um, I've always been like a fantasy and science fiction reader, even ever since I was a kid. Um, Like I remember going into the library and finding those like mass market paperbacks (laughs) of like the Dungeons and Dragons, like (laughs) adjacent books and just reading all of those. Um, I used to read a lot of mysteries. um, And I I think I got away from that for a while and I've started to come back to it and I've started listening or doing more romance novels, which Mm. is kind of a fun and different change. So um, just a, a lot more... I feel like I read a little bit in a lot of different things now where I used to read a lot more. I used to not read quite as widely, but I feel like Book Riot is really the thing for that. And like all the great recommendations that other people make, it just it gets exciting to find new stuff. Yeah, no, it's true. I I feel like if you spend any time on Mm -hmm. Book Riot or in the Book Riot community, you end up reading a lot more varied of a reading diet than you would otherwise. Yes, because people will like be excited about a book and then other people get excited about a book and it sort of moves its way through and then you're like all right fine I really have to read that book (laughs) and then you do and you're like oh yes everyone was right this was amazing um and I love I love that yeah we do have community favorites there's no doubt there's no doubt I do love watching us all get hyped about the same book it's a lot of fun (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's so fun yeah. All right. Well, we're going to do our usual segments. We're going to talk about some news before we get into what makes science fiction and fantasy so great for comfort reading in particular. Um, before we get into that, though, I want to remind everybody that we are doing our every few years listener survey. So we would love for you to take a couple minutes to tell us about what kind of co- podcast content you like, what you'd like more of or less of. You can go to bookriot.com slash listener survey to fill out the survey. And then you'll be entered to win a $50 gift card to the indie bookstore of your choice, at which point you can buy more books if you win. (laughs) So that's bookriot.com slash listener survey. Tell us what you're interested in hearing from us. All right. So let's hear from our sponsor. Explode your to-be-read pile with the New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. 
Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! Okay, news, newsy news. Uh, Kim, <laughs> what do you want to start talking about here? Um, why don't we start with the Locust Awards? We'll just go in order because I'm All excited right. to hear about that. Yeah, so it is award season, as many of you mm-hmm. know, and the Locust Award top 10 finalists in each category were just announced. And I am, the anthology that I worked on is in it, which is <laughs> That's like, exciting. Uh, so exciting and sort of gobsmacking. So you'll have to all forgive me a moment of like personal <laughs> flailing about uh, being on this list. So Swordstone Table is, is listed under the anthology section next to other amazing anthologies, including um, a few that I am also really obsessed with. There's obviously the year's best science fiction and the best of world sci-fi are incredible but there were a bunch of great sort of focused anthologies last year like we're here which was queer speculative fiction um edited by cl clark who wrote a book that a lot of us are obsessed with the unbroken and also charles pezur um there's the year's best african speculative fiction which is a super interesting collection so it's a it's a great list as always Mm -hmm. and then of course you know we have they there are so many categories and so many Nominees, we won't be able to talk about all of them, but I will call out a few favorites. So in the fantasy novel category, I was delighted to see a bunch of my favorites from this year. Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki was on there, which we're going to talk about more later. Blackwater Sister from Zen Cho. Soul Star from C.L. Polk. Jasmine Throne from Tasha Suri. Like, oh, my baby. It's my book babies. Were there any on here that you're familiar with, Kim? You know, I was just skimming through, and I haven't read anything on the fantasy list, which I'm kind oh. of surprised about. Um, I Let's see. On the science fiction list, I'm excited about The Echo Wife. That was yes. I got it from the library, and I didn't get to read it before I had to take it back, and that was a real <laughs> bummer for me. I hate when that happens. Um, on the novella list, there mm. is um, A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky yes. Chambers, which a friend of mine really loved. And also, I had the same problem. I got it from the library and then had to take it back <laughs> before I got to read it. That's like the story of my life. Um, I was going to say, it sounds like this is a repeat occurrence for you. <laughs> this happens all the time. It's it's tr- That's the story of my life. Um, <laughs> Fugitive Telemetry by Martha Wells. Um, I love the murder bot books, which we're going to talk yes, about later. So that yes. one was exciting. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on here um that i recognize but i I haven't picked up yet yeah oh iron widow i did read that one yes by zero and jay zhao we love that one love that one and she who became the sun by shelly parker chan is on that same category for first novel also machinehood by sp divya which i loved and master of gin by p jelly clark which we're all obsessed with there's so many y'all just come Mm -hmm. look at the full list it's it's amazing yeah it's it's real good it's a good list very exciting like all the stuff that's out that's what i love about awards list is is just it's always such a good reminder that there's so much out there to read and we are so lucky yes to have all of these choices that like you should never be without a book 
Yeah. In fact, we always have the opposite problem, right? We have too many, and then we have to return them to the library before we get to them. Oh, man. That's going to be the the theme of this whole episode. (laughs) Reader problems, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's uh, move right along to the Percy Jackson casting news and then, you know, the inevitable uh next bits of it but (laughs) the good part uh this is from the hollywood reporter reported on by rick porter the good part is that uh the main three actors for the percy jackson disney plus series have been cast leah sava jeffries is cast for annabeth aryan simhadri is cast for grover and Walker Scoble is cast for Percy, which I think had already been announced. So Leah and Ariane are the two new ones. And they, let me tell you, I love the picture of the three of them. I think they are going, like, they already have what looks mm-hmm. like great chemistry together as a group. Like, I cannot yes. wait to see these kids on screen. They look totally adorable. Like, Don't they? So cute. They're so yes. cute. Yeah, I know. It's I and and I'm so excited that this is getting made, you know, because the movies mm-hmm. were a little hit or miss, shall we say? Yeah, I I love when books get turned into TV series. Like I yeah. just it feels like it gives some books are so rich and fun and so like a TV series lets you be rich and fun with them rather than trying to like squash them down. Right, to um, shove it all into a much yeah. smaller box. Yeah, room yeah. to breathe. Absolutely, absolutely. And Rick Riordan seems much more involved in this than he mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. in the movies, which I think is good news for everybody. Yes. Um, and of course, you know, Leah Sava Jeffries is black and there are people out there who are not on board with that casting because <laughs> Annabeth in the books is described as white. And have, so, she, you know, her social media has been an absolute disaster ever <sighs> since the casting news. It's really horrible. And uh, Rick Riordan uh, came out, though, with a statement that is like, as far as he's concerned, Leah is perfect for the role. She is Annabeth. He's fully 100% behind the casting. And I was really glad to see that he yes. is has no patience for this nonsense, as he should not. Right. He very explicitly was like, if you're objecting to her because she's black, like you're being racist. And I like that is the frankest I have seen. Yes. I feel like I have seen an author be about any casting news in a very long time. So yeah. I really ad- I really admire that, like to just say, you know what? No. Yeah. No. I do want to note that like Rick Riordan is also, you know, behind the imprint Rick Riordan presents, which has brought us some amazing and very inclusive books Mm -hmm. over the past few years. So he is the kind of ally that we should all aspire to be so far. And um, I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to see it. And I hope that, you know, Leah gets her internet back soon and people move on with their lives and leave her alone. Um, Gets to be excited about this incredible thing that she gets to do. Yes, yes. And I really can't wait to see that. I'm gonna, I I keep having to like, I pause my Disney, I like cancel my Disney Plus subscription and then I reinstate it because there's more (laughs) stuff that I need to watch. And this is definitely going to be one of the ones that I reinstate it for. So yeah, for sure. All right. So let's see. Oh, and now we're on to the sad, the sad news. I have I have some big feelings about these announcements. Um, 
So we lost two people in the sci-fi fantasy community very recently. We'll start with Patricia McKillop. Have you ever read her, Kim? I have not, so I'm excited to hear more about her from you. Yeah, so she passed on May 6th, and she was 74. She lived a good long life. She wrote a lot of amazing books. And my story about Patricia McKillop is that when I was young, I made a lot of internet friends in the days before like <laughs> we were more careful about those things i like look back on my young self and i'm like oh my god i gave these people my home address like what was i <laughs> i just didn't even know but ble- fortunately for me they were all like actual legit humans and one of them was like and i made i met them through like sci-fi fantasy forums on AOL mm-hmm. this is i'm dating myself here but <laughs> I, I know where them, you're coming from. Yeah, exactly. One of them sent me a box of books. Is like an old, like middle-aged person, a lovely human, who was like, I'm going to send you a box of my favorite books. So this box shows up on my doorstep, and it's full of those, you know, old mass market paperbacks mm-hmm. that are like yellowing and like dog-eared and well-loved. And in it was The Forgotten Beasts of Eld, which was one of McKillop's um, award-winning novels. It was her first longer novel. And I went on to read everything I could get my hands on of her. She was one of my comfort read authors when I was younger. Yeah. And so, you know, like she's written a billion books and they're all, all the ones that I've read are really great. Um, And I definitely think that if you have not picked her up, you know, put her on your list. Um, She was a a formative author for, I think, the genre and for a lot of readers like myself. So yeah, yeah, RIP Patricia McKillop. We're going to miss you. For sure, yeah. The list of books that are in the article you're linked to is just, I love how prolific fantasy authors yeah. can be. Extensive, extensive. Yeah. I forgot about some of these books, too, but I, I when I look at the titles, I'm like cast right back to that younger self. So nice. <laughs> love that. Yeah, it's a feeling. It's a feeling. Um, and then uh, the second person who has died recently is comic book legend George Perez. Uh, this piece is from NPR, uh, reported by Andrew Limbong, and he was particularly known for reinventing Wonder Woman on the page. He worked on Wonder Woman in 2017, which was when DC was doing a whole big rebrand. I, re- I was actually living in New York with a roommate at that point who was super into comics. And so I was like aware of this stuff. Um, and she would come home and she would tell me like she would bring her floppies and tell me like all the latest like, oh, and now they're rebooting this person and that person and the mm-hmm. other thing. Um, and Perez was one of the few creators out there who were not just trying to make all the women look like, you know, cheesecake models and Mm -hmm. there's some lovely quotes in this piece from Gail Simone who is obviously like a big name in comics Um, but yeah I hadn't realized how pivotal he was in you know broadening the type of depictions that we get of female you know superheroes have you what's your comics sort of exposure um I got into them relatively recently, like Saga was kind of the first oh, yeah. big comic that I got into. Um, mm-hmm. But I do have these Wonder Woman comics that he do did. You? I, yeah, um, a friend, after the movie came out, I was very into Wonder Woman and I wanted to like know like what is the best version of Wonder Woman to read and somebody recommended that that set. Um, they're great. and Right. Um, but So I think my, my intro to comics is more contemporary, so I don't know that I have witnessed the like... <laughs> 
true like poor treatment of women like historically (laughs) right because I came in in sort of a time when like this has really been changing but Mm -hmm. um so I don't does that make sense? Like, I don't know that yeah. I have the, the appreciation, but, like, clearly, like, the work that he's done to make that happen is good for new comic readers like me who are coming into something that feels more comfortable and accessible. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly, you know, comics problems with portrayals of all kinds of people are not, are not mm-hmm. done. They're not ironed no, out sure. or finalized. So we still have work to do. But, you know, for Perez sure. was one of the ones out here doing that work. So we really we really appreciate that. And um, another person who will be missed. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. So I feel like I should have picked one more news story so we didn't have to end on a bummer. <laughs> I did a bad job tone-wise of bringing us through Should have switched the order, maybe. That's I right. should, Well, it's all right. It's important to give a moment to the people who have shaped, you know, the things that yeah. we love. So, yeah. Yeah. So big, big respect to... Um, to those two authors and we're thinking of their friends and family right now all right well wow we just blazed through that news section (laughs) so this is a question that i wanted to ask you kim do you feel like you read more genre now because the past few years have been so hard i definitely read more fiction generally now because the last years have been hard um that is for sure and i think i have uh, my my uh, my patience with like hardcore literary fiction has really mm. decreased, um, and so I'd like to fill that void. More genre stuff has started to like move in, um, so for sure, like my genre fiction reading is up due to like the state of the world. Yeah, I <laughs> is think that true for you too? Or it absolutely is. I've seen it in both my TV watching and my reading. It's mm-hmm. much harder. I mean, I'm just starting to be able to read contemporary fiction again especially Mm -hmm. the literary kind where it's not just like I'm guaranteed a happy ending you know yes Um, yes but I still can't watch narrative drama tv like I just can't I I I Mm -hmm. just feel like my emotional bandwidth can only handle like gentle reality or (laughs) complete like fun escapist like I can't do anything that asks too much of me emotionally yeah. because I just don't have it left over anymore. You know what I mean? Like I'm mm-hmm. using all of that bandwidth up still on yeah. daily living. So, but I've, I'm starting to be able to read more widely again, but yeah, the, especially during, you know, the earlier days of the pandemic, it just, I know we've, we've all talked about this. It just destroyed my ability to read certain kinds of books. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's only just shifted in the past, like six months, I want to say. And it goes back and forth. You know, there's definitely days where I have more bandwidth than others, but, but, you know, genre fiction, especially science fiction, fantasy, obviously, because it's, you know, the genre that I grew up reading like you mm-hmm. is always been a mainstay of my comfort reading. Yeah, I think for sure, like more than like mystery or romance, I think sci-fi fantasy is definitely more of a comfort read for me, Um, partially because like romance is more of a new genre. And then because mysteries can be so like dark, (laughs) obviously, because they're they're crimes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true, though. I I can only read cozies or noir. Those Mm -hmm. are like the two genre of mysteries that I can read regularly. Everything else, I'm just like, oh, this is too stressful. I get so stressed out. Yeah. I can do historical mysteries mm, or like historical mm, fiction that has mm. like a mystery element to it. Those are okay for me because I, it's the same thing Alice and I talk about like with, we both like true crime, but historical true crime is what I like particularly enjoy because I think there's like some distance there and you can sort of like 
say like you can you can put put some space between yourself yes. and the thing that's happening. Um, and so like historical mysteries, I think scratch that same kind of itch for me. Well, I think you just hit on the thing that I think makes all comfort reading comfort reading, which is distance, right? Mm-hmm. Like it has to feel not like whatever you're going through, at least for me. I can see, I know other people read for catharsis, but for me, reading for catharsis is very different from reading for comfort. And so when I'm reading for comfort, there has to be distance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the catharsis thing is a good point. Um, Like I read a lot of memoirs for that Mm. because you sort of can like empathize with someone's experience and you can like learn from how they went through a, you know, a terror, a hard time or like a difficult experience. And so then like that does feel cathartic to do that. But it's not comforting necessarily because you're you're very emotionally connected to that in in a challenging way. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, you know, obviously, like, we don't live in space and like or have superpowers, right? Or like can perform magic or go to the Narnia Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, right? Like none of those things are options for us unless somebody has really been holding out on me. (laughs) (laughs) So you just have this inherent distance with sci-fi fantasy. It's just Mm -hmm. there. It's just baked in. Yeah. But I also think like another thing that I like about it is that it can be very immersive. Like it's easy to just kind of let yourself go into this story and you're not like you're not trying to compare it to like stuff you know in the real world Mm. or anything like that I think it just it sci-fi fantasy to me always feels like it gets going really fast and then you're just like in it right Um, and I like that I like that not having to like gear up for the story Mm, that's if that makes sense no, totally. I think that's true. I mean, I think I think there's obviously authors do this in different r- ways, right? And some mm-hmm. authors will just drop you right into the middle and are like, catch up, you know, yeah. just like catch up or like just go with it. Um, and then other authors will ease you in a little more gently and like give you more cues and explain some things. And I think both work well when done well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think there's one wrong or right way to approach that. Although I think some readers tend to prefer one to the other, which is fine. We're allowed to have preferences. But yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about. I do, you know, I love to roll around in a world that is not my own. Like I love mm-hmm. to like get totally immersed, as you say, in a in a world that just like has its own rules and I'm trying to figure them out or like experience what that means. And it's just so... It is. It's so escapist, obviously, and great to get to play somewhere that just you never otherwise would get to go. Yeah. And I always I feel I I don't know if I feel bad exactly, but like saying that I like it because it's escapist, because I know that many science fiction and fantasy writers like use those different settings and those different worlds to comment on issues and stuff that's happening in the world today. So like that's not just when it's escapist, it's not to say it's like light or not you know, relevant or anything like that. It just, it it pulls you into a different place. Yeah. Well, that was something I was going to talk about too, which is not all genre, not all science fiction and fantasy works for me for comfort reading. No, for sure not. Like it's not just any science fiction or fantasy book will be a comfort read, right? There's like specific things 
for me in uh, comfort reads that mm-hmm. will make it a comforting experience, yes. even if, as you say, there are serious things going on in the books, because a lot of my comfort reads actually do have serious things. But I think it's all about the approach for me. It's like the tone. Mm-hmm. It's the approach to the serious things. And there is a certain level of assurance that like it's going to be OK mm-hmm. baked into the way it's being approached, I guess. Yeah, I think for me, I tend I tend to go more for young adult. Uh, mm. fantasy and science fiction because I think to me I feel like there's maybe more of a guarantee that the happy ending is going to be okay or that like the the level of the book is not going to get too too far yeah for, me to, for it to be a comfort read so um at, in the last several years I've done a lot of I think probably more young adult science fiction and fantasy and then I've done a lot of rereading of previous like books and trilogies and stuff that I have really liked um because it's familiar and that familiarity yeah. is also comforting. Yeah, I mean, a reread is always, you know, there are books that I read over and over and over again and have since I was a kid. That is, it's because it's familiar. You know what you're going to mm-hmm. get. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen. Like, you know, you're going to love being in the world. So it is. But there are books that have surprised me by how comforting they feel the first time I pick them up, which is also an amazing experience to like discover a new comfort read is is an incredible moment. Um, I also love this note you have here about series. Talk about that. Oh, yeah. So um, I read this article and I couldn't find the link to it, but uh, it was basically like arguing that one of the reasons the pandemic has been so hard, one of the reasons the last few years have been so hard is that we are having to constantly make decisions. Mm -hmm. And as humans, we get decision fatigue. Like that's why at the end of the day, it's like very hard to resist eating a whole pint of ice cream because you've like made decisions all day and they're finally like, you just can't make any more. And so like pandemic life, right? Like we're constantly making decisions. Mm -hmm. Like, should I mask or should I not? Should I go to this place? Is it safe or is it not? Um, And so what I like about, sci-fi and fantasy is that if you can find a good series or a good set of books, then you don't have to make any more decisions, right? Like you're (laughs) in that series and you're like, this is what I'm reading for the next month or something or the next few months. Or like, you know that there's another one to come back to the next time you're like, I definitely need something comforting now. Like, you know, it's there. Um, Whereas like one-off like fiction books or something like that, um, don't have that same like reduction of decision fatigue. Yes, yes. That makes so much sense to me. I had not thought about it that way, but I think you're exactly right about that. It's just it's just really I really appreciate when you're like, I'm in this series now and so, you know, my next fiction book is just gonna be the next one in the series and that's what we're gonna do and not right. having to sort of like <laughs> navigate the library or like go to my bookshelves and try to decide like what is next like it's just it's right there right right I do love it I love it um let's take a pause here for a sponsor break so regarding series it's such an interesting point because as I was thinking about this topic I was actually doing a reread although not a comfort reread of a series the locked tomb series by Tamsin Muir because I got my hands on the galley of the third book, No None of the Ninth, and which I can't say without 
tripping over it. <laughs> it's very hard for me to say. <laughs> it Nona is. Yeah. the ninth. Like I can't say it quickly without messing it up. But anyway, and I was re so I started obviously with the first one, which is Gideon the Ninth, and then read Harrow the Ninth. And Gideon the Ninth is a comfort read. Harrow is not. And oh. even though it's the same world, it's the same characters, but what Tamsin Muir has done that's so genius, but also changes how I approach it, is that you're in a different character's head for each book. And Gideon is hilarious and like snarky <laughs> and like very pragmatic and, you know, has ridiculous opinions about everything. And it is like an intense book. Like there's a lot that goes on and the, there's like a toxic relationship at the heart of it that like you have to resolve and people are dying and there's gore and bones everywhere. <laughs> but like Gideon is comforting to me. Yeah. And then Harrow is that Hera the Ninth is a trauma processing, like that's a catharsis book. Like that is all about processing oh. trauma. And so it's not comforting, it's catharsis. And so it's it's funny that one series can be different things depending on what's happening in those books, which I hadn't really thought about until, you know, I was doing this reread in particular. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And I was, as you're talking, I was trying to think like, are there series that I have read where like, the books are so drastically different. And I, I can't think of any because like, even though like, um, the Lunar, Lunar Chronicles is one mm -hmm. that I um, have reread, and I really like it. But and so there's a different main character of each book. And they're like, slightly different, because they're like, riffing on different fairy tales. Right. But, like, I wouldn't say that they're so drastically different that yeah, that's that's fascinating. And what an interesting approach to like a series like that. Yeah, I think it's I, I, I don't think it's very common, honestly, even though I've read a lot of series that have different narrators, I think, or at least mm -hmm. are interspersed with different narrators. But I don't think I've seen anybody do it quite the way Muir has done it. In yeah. Locked have you Tomb. read the third one yet? I have. I will say no things about it okay. because I think I mean, it's it's great. Also, I still have no idea what the heck is happening in these books. Like, <laughs> I have new questions. I do not have answers for old questions, but I am in it for the ride. Like, it is a ride. So fascinating. I have, yeah. despite the like, that is one of the like book riot. Yeah, everyone loves books that I have not picked up yet. Um, because I just like, I I just wasn't sure. I'm, yeah, yeah. And every time someone describes it, I'm still like, do I want to read that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, they're 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 going to be around for you to keep thinking about. That's and, true. You know, maybe take them out for the library and then give them back and then take them out again. Do, and, yeah, <laughs> check it out a couple of times. See yeah, what exactly. Happens. See what happens. Prove our checkout stats. I'll, yeah. <laughs> um. So there are other elements, though, aside from like we talked about tone and approach and like, you know, knowing that like mm -hmm. something's going to be OK. We talked about series and like not having to make decisions, all legit. Um, I like a wonky mirror in that, as you said, you know, a lot of science fiction fantasy writers are using the medium to talk about mm -hmm. real things, but like skewed. And I that's I do want that. Like, I don't I, I love fluff when I'm in the right mood for it, but. Fluff is never my comfort read. I don't, I actually never articulated that before. I need there to be some level of real emotional intensity mm -hmm. and that's not just like light and happy. Like there has yeah. to be a little bit of darkness in there for me, which is a weird thing to say out loud. So I just said that. 
<laughs> I don't know, though. Like, I think that has to do a little bit with, like, the immersiveness of it, right? Mm. Like, to be immersed and invested, there have to be stakes of some kind. Right. And if it's stakes. just fluffy and there's no stakes, right. it's not going to be immersive in the same way. I think that's that's a good that's a good way to put it. You have some yeah. other things, too, that you want. I do, yeah. So... I, in a comfort read, I appreciate main characters you can root for. Mm. Um, They don't have to be, like, good people necessarily. Like, I love, you know, like, con artists and stuff like that. But they have to be people that you feel good rooting for. Oh, Um, that's a good distinction. (laughs) You know? Like, they don't have to be, like, not criminals or anything. You just just have to want them, like, want the best for them. Um, I don't, like, it's not comforting for me to spend time with characters that I don't like yeah or or don't don't Can't identify with yeah don't feel like they have redeeming qualities or yeah. that kind of thing I, I love found family books um and those often have a lot of characters that are um you know sh- a little shady or like have secrets and all of that other stuff um <laughs> so I, I appreciate that um but yeah and there has to be a character that I feel like I can like cheer for in some way yeah I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, well, should we should we talk about some some more specific specifics? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I'm gonna talk about a sci-fi series 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 a sci-fi nice. series that I love. I I decided to go side note with more recent books that I like discovered as because you know I could I could give you a zillion comfort reads that I've been reading like I said since I was. 10 mm-hmm. but that's I, I don't want to do that like that's you know we all know what those books are like you don't need me to recommend them to you so we're gonna go with more recent ones that when I picked them up it was that experience of like oh this book is like this is my friend that I didn't know I had like this is gonna be yeah. a new comfort read for me so the revolution series by Stephanie Salter which I know I talked about on this show for before but not for a while um it starts with gem signs and it takes place in a future where genetic modification is like everywhere all the time forever like food is modified people are modified to the point where there's actually an issue of Some people have been modified so much and so specifically by corporations to do certain jobs that whether or not they are still human is like an open question, which is obviously not cool or great. (laughs) Um, But, you know, here, wonky mirror, as we said. So there is a lot going on around these gems is what they're called. The people who have been so genetically modified for a very specific purpose that like they're trying to get the rights that they deserve as beings who exist on the planet. Um, And some people are not happy about it. There's like a lot of misinformation out there. This is all sounding very familiar as I say it out loud. And you're following a few different characters, uh, one of whom is a scientist, Eli Walker, who is like, involved in all of the legal wrangling around what makes a human human. And then you have our villain, Zavka Klist, who is the head of a corporation who just wants to make money. And obviously human rights are not compatible in some instances with the maximization of profit. So she's our villain. And then we have Ariel Morningstar, who is a fascinating character. Oh, my goodness. Like, so compelling. Um, Who is sort of the de facto leader of some of the genetically modified individuals in that community. And 
you follow different characters over the course of the books in the series um, as they're grappling with, you know, falling in and out of love, creating family, trying to like find their place in the world. And then these big, huge stakes around, yeah, what does it mean to be human? And how do you move through the world when some people don't think you are? And it's obviously deeply informed by a lot of current issues. But I think you know, Salter does such a good job with these characters. And even when things get dark, which they absolutely do, there is a fair amount of violence in these books and discrimination and things like that. You always feel like there are people in there who are going to do the right thing and are going to try to make it happen. And there's going to be obstacles along the way, but there is a fundamental hopefulness about these Mm -hmm. books that for me takes them takes me through those dark moments and out the other side and I love the character arcs that Salter gives us over the course of this series like oh they're just chef kiss good so good so so good oh that sounds great it's so good Kim (laughs) they're like under the radar books that I every time I talk about them every now and then we'll get an email from somebody who's like I finally read them you were right Jen I'm like I know I'm right that's why I keep talking about them more Um, people should read them (laughs) that's awesome yeah Yeah. that's a really good pick I love the way you sort of like framed like this is how I approach these picks because I always do that with our on four wheel too like I always like make these sort of like artificial rules for myself because otherwise I get like super overwhelmed and I'm like how can I pick how do you pick so what rules did you make for yourself for sci-fi so so I I was like I want to talk about books that I have read in the last couple of years that I have found Mm. very comforting so that like it's so again they're they're not current books necessarily but they're books that I have read currently gotcha um that are, are ones that I can talk about. So um, the first one is a series, uh, The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells, mm-hmm. um, which is a series of four, I think, novellas and then a one full-size novel and another novella. I think I can't remember the order. Um, and I have read the, fir- the first four novellas and then I, I was going to sit down and read the full novel and then I was like, no, I need to save this for like for a time when I need it. <laughs> um, so the, the premise of Murderbot Diaries is um, the main character is uh, a cyborg security agent for a, um, a interplanetary exploration system. And so um, SEC unit calls itself Murderbot because – or so, so the SEC unit um, hacks his own system – or hacks its own system and becomes sentient. And so it's supposed to not be able to do that, but it does. Um, and it refers to itself as Murderbot because it's programmed to murder uh, things. <laughs> and so Murderbot um, uh, cracks his, has, hacks his own unit. And I'm having such a hard time explaining this, and it's not that complicated. Um <laughs> He like hacks open his system and then um, decides that what he would or what it would really love to do is just watch soap operas. It does not want to interact with the humans that it is charged to protect, but it also needs to keep the fact that it is sentient and thinking for itself secret because if uh, the people that own it find out, it will not get to do that anymore. And so uh, Murderbot is both like trying to protect the humans and also trying to keep the secret and also just wants to watch soap operas. And <laughs> um, the whole series, every book in it is Murderbot like getting sent out on a mission to try and help some humans uh, saving the humans and like being super awesome and trying to keep it a secret Um, Murderbot makes friends with some of the humans who like discover that it has uh, hacked its system and is now thinking uh, independently and then Murderbot doesn't want to like these humans but it does and they become (laughs) friends and they go on missions together and it's 
it's very fun. It's very funny. Um, Murderbot's like internal monologue is just, you know, everybody I think has the feeling of like, man, I do not want to go to work today. I would just like to watch television. (laughs) So like that is very relatable, but um, they're just, they move along really fast and they're fun and immersive and very funny. So Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells are one of my recent comfort reads. Yes, I can totally see that. I definitely reread a bunch of those during the pandemic because I was like, Murderbot will save me from my brain. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh, and then, okay, so the most recent comfort read I've discovered, actually, uh, is a book that I I just can't stop talking about how much I love it. It's on awards list, which makes me so happy. It's Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki. And this book is a science fiction and fantasy mashup. It is, it's got aliens and like advanced technology and holograms and all of that jazz. It also has magic in that it has uh, demons from hell, literal demons from hell who make bargains with people for their souls, like, like you do. And it's a really well done mashup because, you know, I don't I don't even know how Aoki makes it seem so seamless, but she absolutely does. And the main characters are a really interesting combination because you get multiple perspectives. Um, mostly you're spending time with Shizuka Satomi, who has made a deal with the devil uh, to become like a brilliant violinist and to you know, deliver uh, to save her own soul from damnation and this Faustian bargain, she has to get seven other people to trade their souls for success. So she's got six. She's already done this. And she's looking for number seven. And she is like, she's definitely the villain at the beginning, but it's so interesting how her storyline plays out. Um, And then Katrina is our young violinist. She is transgender. She's from a very difficult and not great family so she runs away and also lands with some not great people and is just trying to like make her way in the world um, which is very difficult because you know transgender talented woman of color like it's not it's not easy out there and she is playing her beat up old violin in the park and Shizuka hears her and is like oh this is my next prodigy and then we have Lan, who is running a donut shop and is secretly an alien. And <laughs> all of the donuts are getting created by her former spaceship. Like, it's complicated. It's amazing. Um, and the whole story takes place in the San Gabriel Valley in California. And if you've ever lived out there, there are, like, landmarks that I, I, I went to college in LA and I was like oh I know exactly where you're talking about like it was such a lovely thing to get to revisit that's actually probably part of why this is a comfort read Mm -hmm. for me is because I have all this nostalgia around that geography and some of those landmarks and the way that their storylines all play out around each other is just so brilliant and like I said there's hard things in here you know Katrina experiences a lot of abuse and racism and misogyny and then also you know Shizuka has her own story. Lan has her own story. They deal with hard things, but the way this book holds that hurt and it like heals it is mm-hmm. so moving and profound and gentle and compassionate and like 
it's also a funny book. So this, it's like cho- I get choked up talking about it, but then also it made me laugh so hard in certain moments. So like I, I think it's an it's like alchemy what Aoki has done with this book, and I like own a hardcover copy, and I literally actually just shoved it at a friend. I was like, "You're gonna go home and read this book because you know." We all know people who are going through a hard time right now, and mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who are struggling to read. And I was like, "This is the book. This is the, you're gonna read this book, and you're gonna bring it back to me because I need to own it. But like, you're gonna feel better after you read this book." Um, so again, that's "Light from Uncommon Stars" by Rika Aoki. That is another one that I had out from the library, and then I just send it back <laughs> before I finished it. Oh my yeah. gosh! It's like the whole. That's my whole life. In the life. Like, <laughs> Clearly, clearly. Year plus, probably. Um, So my next one is a fantasy young adult uh, thing that is not going to really, like, be new to anybody, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, It's Lee Bardugo's Grisha trilogy and then all of the subsequent books after that. Um, And I picked this one because uh, it works as a comfort read for me because there are a lot of books in this whole, like, Grisha universe Um, And then I just, I love the characters and all of the different sets of the books. So um, the book starts with a a trilogy uh, that uh, is sort of a a chosen one trilogy. Uh, There's a girl named Elena Starkov who is an orphan and she discovers that she has magic powers and she has these very unique magic powers that nobody else in this world that she lives in has and that she could potentially be the savior of this her country, which has been split down the middle by this uh, this darkness that no one can cross the shadow fold, and she has powers that allow her to potentially do that and maybe destroy it. Um, and so it's a, a chosen one trilogy of her kind of coming into her power and fighting against uh, a guy named the Darkling and finding romance with a, a friend and all of these lovely chosen one things. Um, the second set of books in it is the Six of Crows duology, which... Mm takes place in the same world but is like a found family story about a bunch of teenagers who find themselves uh, as part of like a criminal enterprise trying to launch a giant heist Um, and so it's two books that serve as sort of like one giant heist story which is really fun I love heist stories Um, and then the last two books are the uh, King of Scars duology which stars um, Nikolai Lansov who is a character in the original trilogy he's the leader of the country that Elena is from and so this is about his life kind of afterwards and what he goes through and he has a a bunch of experiences and I can't really talk about them without spoiling (laughs) other things so like suffice it to say like you get to spend a lot of time in a lot of pages in this world that has like magic it's like kind of Russia inspired and um, was made into a Netflix show and I just I I love them I've listened to them all on audiobook and they're just they're great to revisit I think so um, Grisha Trilogy by Lee Bardugo and all the subsequent Grishaverse books did you watch the show I did yes I I liked it and I didn't love it okay fair enough Fair enough. I know Sharifa had her own opinions. I can't recall exactly what they were at the moment. I think she mostly liked it. But yeah. I did. I it's a it's a lot to try and adapt, and yeah. I really I liked all of the actors and actresses in it, and I liked I liked a lot of things about it. There was just it, I don't know something. There was just like something a little off, and I can't yeah. put my finger on it. But well, I'm like it's gonna hard watch when more. somebody adapts your favorite favorite, right? Like, yeah, it's never gonna mm-hmm. be quite right. So. Hmm. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so I'm just going to give a real quick shout out uh, to Nevo's Singing Hills Cycle, which currently has two book novellas, two novellas in it. And well, there's a third. Actually, I take it back. There's a third one now. Oh my goodness. This is nice. so exciting. This is the best news ever. <laughs> I love when <laughs> they discover something in the middle of a show. Uh, so there are now three books in the Singing Hills Cycle, and they are like fably and sort of have this mythic feel to them and the character who's moving through them is this cleric named Chi who has like a real gentleness about themselves that I really respond to and they just love stories and they just want to hear people's stories so dramatic things happen but in this like framed by this really gentle main character so I, I, y- y'all have heard me talk about them before, so I will stop myself there cheating over here. <laughs> Excellent. And I have one more really quick shout out to, um, this is a single book, so it doesn't fit into like my series ones, but it was, it was one I read last year that it was, I was just immediately immersed in it and I love the characters in it so much and it has more darkness in it than I think the other ones do, but it's really great. Uh, and that is The Space Between Worlds by Micaiah Johnson, which is kind of a multiverse book about a main character who can travel between worlds. Um, but the reason that she is able to do that is pretty dark. Um, and so it's it's about kind of her kind of trying to survive in her job as a multiverse traveler. But there's a lot of other like interesting, cool stuff in it that I don't want to like spoil too much, but yes, very good. Yes. Love, love, love that book. I think it's interesting, you know, cause I do think that not everybody's comfort and catharsis are the same. And for me, that's mm-hmm. a catharsis book. Mm, it is very emotional. It's yeah. very emotional. It goes like really hard, but it's so yeah. I, it's a fantastic. I mean, it's such a good book. So that's interesting. It's interesting. Well, I feel like we could talk about this for a whole nother hour, but we probably should stop. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on and exploring this with me. This has been really interesting. Thank you. It was really fun to talk about stuff I don't talk about very often. So thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Let's see. Uh, Yes. SFF. Yeah. I know the name of our show. It's sound (laughs) edited by Caitlin Brame. Many thanks to her for cleaning up all of the flubs that I tell her about (laughs) Uh, each and every episode. For more book recommendations, lots of comfort reads, lots of catharsis, lots of whatever you want, you can get those at bookriot.com. You can find our other podcasts, including For Real with Kim at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you all, as always, for listening. If you would like to email us your comfort reads or what you think makes a good comfort read or you have other ideas for the show or feedback sff yeah at bookriot.com we love to get those emails especially when they include pet pictures i'm just saying um if you would review us on apple Podcasts, we would also love that uh and spotify podchaser wherever you can leave a review it helps other sci-fi fantasy fans to find us kim speaking of finding where should people find you uh, I am on social media as at Kim the Dork. So that's where you can find me, along with the For Real podcast and uh, True Story, the Book Riot's nonfiction newsletter. That's right. You do the newsletter, too. So many things. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.